If you think you know about mental illness, think again. This is We Are Hope, the radio program with host and co-founder Sean Perry. Mental illness has reached an all-time high in this country and beyond. We're here to break the stigma through change, discussion, and support. Now, here is your host, Sean Perry. Hello and welcome to We Are Hope, Breaking the Stigma Through Change with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you live from Space on Main in Bradford, Vermont on the Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. We Are Hope is a nonprofit organization that brings anxiety, education, coaching, trauma-informed interactive services, suicide prevention, collaborative problem solving, and emotional CPR to individuals and schools that are struggling to find affordable support options. We partner with school districts anywhere in the country to support students that are struggling. We support them in a way that has never been done before in a school setting. We bring services directly to the child on a one-on-one setting five days a week. This allows for a level of consistency that is unmatched in our public school system. If you know of a school or a child that can utilize our services, please email me at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also contact me via phone at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. If you would like to book me to come speak at your schools or in your community on how to best support anxiety with children that are struggling, please email me at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. I also want to always remind you about We Are Hope's telecoaching platform. Our telecoaching model not only supports people all over the world, but it's also financially feasible to just, to just about anyone. Starting at only $17.50 per session, we believe that this price point can be affordable for just about anyone. This allows you or someone you know to get the support on your own terms anytime, anywhere. Please give me a call to find out more at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. All right, so I want to go ahead and jump into today's show, and I have my friend, colleague, and Connecticut transplant like myself, Dr. Tim Giacomo, uh, Giacomo. Hey, Tim, how you doing? Hey, Sean, glad to be here. Glad to be well, thank, here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You and I have known each other for, for a minute now, and uh, we've done some really great work together. <laughs> you know, we've done some really great work together, and I appreciate all the work that you continue to do, and, and, I, and I know you so well professionally. Um, can you tell people uh, a little bit about yourself and who you are? Yeah, so, uh, so my name is Dr. Tim DiGiacomo. I am a licensed psychologist. And I am the clinical director for Mountain Valley Treatment Center, a program that specializes in the treatment of anxiety and OCD for adolescents and young adults. Um, and Sean and I uh, have been working together. Uh, well, we worked together for quite a few years. Uh, we actually met through Mountain Valley. Um, and uh, I think we've made a pretty good team working together here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I love working with it, Tim, and you know that. So let me ask you a question. So so you are, you know, you're seeing a different level of support. So um, being in a residential treatment, you see the this is the the final step, right? <laughs> so so in, when you get yeah. you know when you. 
and you didn't start in that in that in that realm, right? Like this is it, right? Residential treatment is it. This is this this might be the last option for some of these kids. And and what we're doing is the preventative side of that of trying to to prevent them from having to go to residential. But we know that we can't always prevent everything. That being said, what is it that actually drives you to do what you do? Yeah, well, um, when I started out really in in undergrad, I was actually doing a lot of uh, research and and early intervention with Head Start. So I was really interested in prevention in preschool uh, Mm. and community mental health. So really trying to get at the root of problems uh, before they uh, before they escalated, before they grew, before they started to really be uh, functionally impairing for these kids and, and families. Um, so, I, you know, I, I like that prevention, early intervention model. Right. That's always that's always what I was interested in. Um, and then I, I was doing after that. I was doing some research. Uh, as a as a research assistant um, in a in a lab at Yale, and we were working more with adults with schizophrenia um, and and other uh, other more uh, debilitating disorders, um, and so that that took me a little bit away from the the intervention piece, right? Uh, but it right. was very interesting. Uh, yeah. I was able to see how how people were able to do research that actually does apply. To the interventions right. and does work to help improve our understanding of mental illness. Right. Then I went to grad school, uh, you know, focused more on kids, families, uh, and adults to be, uh, to be doing just you know, research and intervention, a combination of that. And uh, I worked in a bunch of different placements, actually, so uh, including schools. Mm. VA hospitals, um, right. you know, and, and each setting I went to, uh, and a lot of community mental health actually, and and each setting I went to, I always felt like I was I was learning something new uh, right. from from my mentors and the supervisors and colleagues, but also from the the clients with whom I was working. And, right, right. You know that that's really what drives me to keep doing this kind of work. Um, I just think it's uh, those connections that we make with people, um, I just think that's very important. That's yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, me. yeah, and that's, you know, I have to agree with you. I mean, the, the people that we work with, interestingly enough, uh, or like I'd say, like to say work for, right, that the young people that yeah. I work for, the young people that you work for, they change our lives. Yeah. They change our lives. Yeah. You know, they're the ones in crisis and we're the ones who end up benefiting in some way. <laughs> right by yep. by the hope that they give us and it, it's just so amazing um the title of today's show is america's misunderstood crisis and 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 i titled this show that because we have a crisis in this country around mental health and mental illness and it is so misunderstood and so in order to tackle that i think we have to first define um what is a mental health crisis so Tim, can you can you walk us through what what is a mental health crisis? Yeah, I, I think I think what we're seeing is, uh, and so I, I'm working primarily with with anxiety and, and OCD, and uh, you know I think we're seeing so many kids that are really uh, well, adolescents, young adults, really that are, are really crippled uh, in so many ways 
by their anxiety. And, you know, they've gone through uh, a lot of treatment, most of them. Um, they, right. They've gone through outpatient work. They've gone through intensive outpatient and partial hospital programs. And, um, you know, they've, they've been through uh, crisis stabilizations. And, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them, they're putting in a lot of effort. Families are putting in a lot of resources. Um, and it's still... Uh, it's still a, a significant struggle. Um, right. And I think we're seeing it in the schools. Uh, we're seeing it, um, you know, the kids who are constantly going to the nurse's office. Um, I think we expect a, a little right. bit offset, but we, we expect a lot from our teachers to kind of be on the front line of right. all this, uh, you know, figuring out which kids really need more help. Um, mm-hmm. so I think we are seeing it. We are seeing it increase. I think it. Uh, I think it is harder for for a lot of kids these days. Yeah, that's um, a great. Seg- I, you know, that's I'm, a great. I'm, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. No, I was no say, that's you a, go ahead, Sean. <laughs> I was going to say that's a really great segue um, to. I was going to say, you know, you travel all over. You just recently got back from a comp- from an OCD, a national OCD conference. Um, you travel all yeah. over, and so you know we're we're. We are a little bit more regional. You are you are uh, more national in your travels, and on top of the fact that you get people from all over the all over the world at your facility, um, right? What is it? What is the common denominator that you notice that keeps coming up? I think for us, it's uh, like I say. You know, we're seeing a lot of people who are we're really trying to make things right for themselves and their families. They're really trying to get, uh, to get unstuck, I would say. Um, I think that's a pretty good way of describing where a lot of people are at, um, especially in in the anxiety world uh, and the OCD world where they're, they're just feeling stuck. So I, I certainly see that as a common denominator. I think people often get to us because they've, they've tried, uh, all the other levels of care, uh, or they mm. reached out and, and really tried to access as many other resources as they could, uh, right. which I, I think makes sense. I think that's the way to do it. Uh, I think for some for some people, depending on depending on where you are, depending on what your resources are that you have it uh, that that you can use, um, you know, you you may not have as many options. You may not have as right. many choices. And I think that goes back to this idea too of uh, of a crisis, right? Right. So someone who, who has more resources, they may be able to, they may be able to do something like a, a residential program. Um, they may be able to find different therapists uh, and go outside of their insurance network. They may right. be able to work with a specialist. Not everyone is able to do that. Um, and Hence I think, the I think that can make this work harder. Right. So hence the crisis then. Right. So if if we don't have if 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 we can't access support in this country. Right. Regularly, Mm -hmm. then then it all starts to spiral. Right. Right. You know, and I I think it's also the type of support, too, which I mean, you and I have had had plenty of conversations around this. It's um, they're not all therapy, not all coaching is really the same or created equal or really backed by evidence uh, and right. empirically supported. Um, right. So uh, I, I think that's also important too. And that, 
that's uh, more on us as if we want to call ourselves professionals, uh, that's on mm-hmm. us for us to right. be, be engaging in our own training uh, and making sure that we're bettering ourselves so that we can provide more uh, or a greater ability to, to help the people that are coming to work with us. Right, right. And and that's, you know, and that's such a, that's, a, that's an important, that's a really important point. You know, we, we talk a lot about evidence-based practice. And the interesting thing is, is that there is an actual, a lot of evidence-based practice, but oftentimes it's not applied correctly. You know, so one of the things that, that we, we've seen in schools is they may have a program and I won't name the programs to call any programs out, but they may have a program that's that's in school. But it's so fit, focused and driven on behavior and behavioral outcomes that it never actually supports the child in place. And then most of the teachers and the people that are supposed to be facilitating this program aren't trained well enough to do it. They get it in a, a, a four-hour seminar on a Friday, you know, or, or, or over the weekend. And I think, to your point, that's what's really, that's what's continuing to help perpetuate this crisis that we have, and again, why it's so misunderstood. Yeah, and that's, that's where, uh, you know, earlier I was saying teachers can often be on the, the front line, um, and I, I think... Uh, sometimes teachers are expected to uh, not only be the teacher, but to be the coach and the psychologist and the guidance counselor. In addition to the guidance counselor, uh, it, they, they they carry uh, or they wear many hats. I would say, right. um, and right. that's that makes their job much more challenging uh, to be right. able to do all of that. Yeah, and 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 to that and to that point, hence the need for an organization like We Are Hope that comes in and takes the stress off of the teachers, right? So now they don't need to wear that hat. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and you know, I think it's great that you guys have been doing more work with schools. I know you're uh, you're also doing training uh, with staff who work at schools. Um, I know when I was in community mental health, I was certainly uh, doing work in elementary and in middle schools, uh, doing some trainings for teachers, uh, right. really trying to meet kids and families where they were at. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, they spend the majority of their day at, at school or at home. So right. um, that's right. a great place if you can to be able to meet them there and to do some of that work. Right. Yeah. And that's so important. All righty, Tim, listen, it's, it's time for a commercial break. Um, if you or someone you know is currently struggling, remember there is hope anytime, anywhere through We Are Hope's telecoaching platform. Please feel free to give me a call today at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also send me an email directly at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. When we return, we will be discussing mental health, why it's important, the impact of trauma and substance abuse on children. Don't forget to check us out at www.wearehope.org. Again, that's www.wearehope.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. We'll be back in a minute. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to We Are Hope. If you are interested in asking a question or offering a comment about our program, please send an email to radio at wearehope.org. That's radio at wearehope.org. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to We Are Hope, Breaking the Stigma Through Change with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you live from Space on Main in Bradford, Vermont, on the Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. If you would like to contact me directly, you can email me at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also call me directly at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. Alrighty, so we're back, Tim. You're feeling comfortable. You're feeling good. Um, I want to talk now about mental health. You know, we are we as a society now we have started to make this shift, um, and we hear a lot about breaking the stigma and so forth and so on. And 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 we're starting to make this shift um, of acknowledgement and and understanding to some point. But I think. And we're using all these terms like mental health and mental illness, but I think people don't, a lot of people, the layman doesn't really understand what mental health actually means. And so in that regard, I want to talk about what is unhealthy mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and when I think of that, um, I mean, certainly you can always look into the now, as a psychologist uh, or in the medical profession, you may look to the ICD or the um, or the DSM, uh, and and it'll list out all your different diagnoses and mental health disorders. Um, the the overarching piece to all of them is that there's, there's usually a functional impairment. So something's happening for you that's really getting in the way of you living your life. Um, really in the way that you would want, um, but also in a way that would be expected for for someone 
of where you're at in your life. Uh, so right. for a teenager who, uh, you know, is unable to get to school because of their anxiety, and this isn't just saying, you know, well, I just don't want to go. I'm going to go play hooky and go hang out with my friends. That's something different. This is more like someone is so afraid uh, of some part of school, whether it's social piece, the academic piece, um, the fear of judgment, that they're not getting there. Um, right. So that in, in, in combination with, with some other criteria, you know, and you end up with an anxiety disorder. Mm. So that, I, I think that's really what, what we're talking about versus, I mean, I think also in terms of mental health, though, everybody gets anxious. Um, that, can, that anxiety can be helpful. Um, right. Everybody uh, experiences, um, you know, everyone has, has varying experiences that it's not all, you can't just classify it as all unhealthy or all disordered. Right. So, so why is mental health in itself so important? Well, I think when people are, when people are, are living their lives really free of a mental health disorder, and, and actually uh, I'll step back. There's plenty of people with mental health disorders uh, and they're, they're either uh, sort of struggling through it or really, really pushing themselves and, and working hard. They're in treatment. Um, and for some who are more in recovery, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're trying to live their life uh, towards what's important to them. Uh, they're, they're trying to live towards their values. Um, so they're, they're trying to figure out what's important for them, what are their goals, and then how do they actually achieve those, even right. though they may still be struggling in other areas of their life. Okay. Okay. No, that's great. So I want to move on now to children and families. You know, um, children are the future, like Whitney Houston said, right? You know, I believe the children are the future. And, 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 and that is, that was true then. And it's true now and it's forever going to be true. And so, you know, interestingly enough, I was watching, uh, I've been getting sucked down this rabbit hole of, on YouTube of, um, what's it called? Uh, live PD. And they go to all these different police departments and they're, and they're shooting video live of like arrests and all this stuff. And, and, and I've just been like down this rabbit hole, like sucked in for like two hours. And then I come up from my phone and I realize I've been watching this for so long, but you're doing a deep one, dive. Oh man, I'm telling you, it's, it's been getting me, man. And I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm just going to watch one minute, you know, I'm just going to watch, you know, one video. And then it's just, it's over after that. Um, but one thing that continues to come up because then as I start watching this, and I think that's why I continue to watch is, is I'm trying to piece some things together and I'm seeing all of this stuff that's happening out there. And the levels of generational trauma that are occurring out there um, are just are just mind blowing. Um, Can you talk a little bit about um, generational trauma and the impact that it is having on our society? Yeah, I when I was working in more community mental health, the majority of what I was doing and, and my colleagues in the clinic were doing was very trauma focused. Uh, so we were using a lot of trauma-focused 
uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, child-parent psychotherapy. Um, there was research going on about trauma and ways to improve treatments and, and outcomes and help people to, uh, to reduce symptoms of trauma and PTSD. Uh, and, and, and really, it did, seem, um, it, it did seem really like an epidemic. Um, because yeah. trauma can lead to so many other, so many other problems. Um, right. You know, so if, if, you know, I was working with, say, uh, you know, a young seven-year-old kid uh, who's been exposed to severe domestic violence or, uh, or sexual assault. Uh, right. That really changes that kid's developmental trajectory. Um, yeah, And so, uh, you know, for someone who's not then getting the appropriate services, the, the right treatments, the right protection, really, um, to keep right. this from, from occurring again, um, that can really change someone uh, and, and their outlook uh, and, and, again, their trajectory in life. Like if people can get the right treatment that they need, if they've got a good community mental health center, if they've got good schools and good clinicians and, uh, you know, uh, community programs that are doing this kind of work, then people can get through that. Um, people's, you know, lives can improve. Right. And, you know, but I, but I think, you know, one of the, one of the interesting things that, that we see, um, is, you know, at least in the schools, uh, in some of the schools that we work with, we are noticing and recognizing that that the school itself knows that there's trauma. The school itself knows that there's there's uh, generational poverty. They know that these things are occurring, and they're trying to set up systems or put systems in place to help these children emotionally. But then there's still mm-hmm. this expectation of you need to do your schoolwork, which then, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, is put on this level of stress of a child that that is trying to figure out, you know, when the next time they're going to eat is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's where, you know, when you look at the intersection of someone's mental health and, and overall well-being, in addition to uh, the expectations, like reasonable expectations that would be set on them. So, your home life could be pretty terrible. Uh, it could be pretty traumatic. Um, and I think schools are often trying to do the best that they can to support these kids. Right. And their job right. is also to educate them. Yeah. And so often what I've seen in the schools that I've worked with, uh, you know, they're, they're really working to, again, support the kid as best they can at school. Uh, but I've also had school colleagues who will, uh, you know, they'll, they'll work with the school and they'll work the family in the home. Uh, they'll provide for uh, after-school care, uh, for enrichment right. activities as best as they can. They'll try to provide for free lunch um, um, or, you know, a reduced cost. Uh, and they'll right. also work with kids to provide some accommodations for academic work. But they right. also don't want to go too far the other way than and have no expectations. Um, right, right. So I think it's, and, and that's where it gets, it gets really complicated because, um, 
all of this takes time. It takes resources. It takes training. It takes dedicated people to, mm-hmm. to really be looking out and, and really raising those kids. Um, so, you know, the family, the school, the community in general. Right. And, 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 and you know, and, and, and to that point, again, you know, that is uh, we have to go back. I believe that we, we have to go back to the philosophy of it takes a village. Right. It, it yeah. really takes a village to help raise these kids. And we have gotten uh, systematically and in our society, we've gotten away from that. You know, we've we've come you know, we've come to this this forefront in our society of where we are so personally driven that no one else around us, mm-hmm. you know, around us matters. You know, when I grew up, yeah. you know, you had these houses where friends, you know, kids in the neighborhood would gather. So you might have. You know, uh, you know, me and my friend, um, we might have 10 other friends at his house and then the next day they might be at my house and then at the other somebody else's house. And nowadays it is your world, your bubble. And um, if someone else is struggling, well, I guess that's a them problem, not a you problem. And, and, and I think I think. We... Yeah, go ahead. No, I think that, and I think that that's kind of I think that that's where we're at. Right. And, 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 and we've got to, we've got to wake up. And, and, and that's why I really love the emotional CPR um, stuff that we're currently doing and brought into We Are Hope because it brings in the ability to um, have not just, uh, it brings in the ability to have what we call, what they call We CPR, where everybody is connected and supporting each other. Yeah, I think that's that's very important, um, you know, for all of us to be looking out for each other and, and helping each other. And it's interesting because even people that, that I've worked with who you know, they end up being pretty isolated, um, as they get back into forming a community, uh, mm. then you start to see them really, uh, It's they do care. Um, they care right. deeply and, and greatly about other people. It's usually something else that's that's holding them them back. That's the majority of people that that I've worked with. I know that uh, you know part of typical development too is is turning a bit inward or being more uh, more egocentric. So some of that is is expected. Um, right. And I also think that there is there is really a a great desire to to help each other out. I think the more that we can foster that, mm-hmm. I think the better off. I think the better off we are, just as an entirety, as a, as a society. Um, yeah, I can. You know, whether I, we talk I, about this upcoming generation or, or even ours. Right. No, I completely agree. Uh, so I wanted to. You touched a little bit on schools and teachers and and um, and so forth. Because of your travels and, and and the kids that you see, and whether they're in private school, whether they're in public school, whatever the case is. What are you noticing, or, or, or let me say, what are some systems of support that you're noticing that schools have um, currently? Yeah, I, I've seen uh, most of the schools I've worked at, they've, they've had a guidance counselor. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes I'm there because I'm uh, usually contracted uh, to be there, say, one or two days a week. Um, mm-hmm. And to do work with the kids, or some of my colleagues were doing that. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a, a therapist or coach who can provide some additional trainings to staff on what to look for for signs of trauma, or 
for signs of depression, right? How do you know when you need to reach out to others, other professionals to intervene for more support for a kid? Or how do you know when to reach out to parents and figure out what's going on at home? Um, So I've seen, I've seen that. I've also seen uh, schools that have school resource officers. So police Mm. officers who are working in the schools who are trained more in mental health. Um, So uh, I've seen that be a pretty interesting and effective way of, uh, of building community. And uh, uh, for some kids, especially who they grow up and they, they don't have the best perception or relationship with authority or police. If they can actually build a relationship with a, a really kind, caring, and you know, a good school resource house, that right. can be game changing for them. Yeah, without right, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and I think you know that's interesting because that that actually leads to the next to my next question for you is, what do you feel is needed to support the crisis in the schools? You know, well, we, I think we, it's not just. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, we, you know, we've we've got, you know, you you've mentioned some things, but but what do we need to do now? I mean, we've got we are hope that's there that's really trying to make a difference, and we're starting off small, and we continue to we want to continue to grow. But from your professional opinion and what you see every day with kids coming with with children coming to you, what do you think we need to do as a whole? Yeah, I I, I mean, I think what you're doing with with we are hope. Uh, is it, I think it is very effective. I think it is very beneficial for the kids, for the schools and the families with whom you're working. Um, so I think, you know, you're taking that coaching model to them um, and you're, you're showing them something different. Um, I think it's, it's also that um, it, you're, you're very accessible, I'd say, as a program. Um, so it's, it's not just about sometimes people get stuck and say it's, it's really, it's just about uh, providing more money for more resources. And right. that's, that can be part of it. Um, but I think you're also showing that, that you can provide help uh, and provide some expertise actually without having to, to break the bank. Right. Um, I think also for, uh, for staff to receive more trainings Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a different way of doing it. It's not always just hiring someone else, but it is training the people that you have uh, so that they're feeling more competent. And so they actually are more competent and they're feeling more confident about the work that they're doing, um, which right. I think then can people aren't getting burnt out. People are more, uh, more able to help. You start to see mm-hmm. changes for families. Um, I think it's, Doing work in the schools, I think it's also uh, a lot of outreach to families and work in the communities. Uh, yeah, I think you could also, <laughs> you could easily branch this out into uh, everything else that goes into your overall health. So you're talking about, uh, do people have access to really good nutrition? Uh, right. People do adults for family, you know, the parents of kids, um, do they have access to jobs? Um, yeah, you know, jobs that are are well paying, so that they they can go to work and then be home and spend time with their right. kids. Um, right. And then I've worked with plenty of families uh, where the you know the parent is working. You you know could have been a, a single parent and they're working 
two or three jobs. Um, or yeah. to, I've, to I've been one of those parents. One of them is never around. Yeah. I, I, I've been one of those parents and, and, uh, and I wasn't a single <laughs> parent, but I was one of those parents that had two and three jobs. And, 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 and right. my wife had, uh, and, and uh, up until recently had three jobs, um, you know, right. and, and, and that's, you know, in a stable home. And so without having that stability, right, like you said, I mean, you know, we're going to continue. Those are the, those are the things that are so, so highly needed, uh, more so than just the school is, is making sure that as a community, um, we are coming together to offer these things and providing those things within the community. So, um, all righty, everybody, it is time for a break. If uh, you or someone you know is currently struggling, remember that there is hope anytime, anywhere through our telecoaching platform. Please feel free to give me a call at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also email me directly at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. Don't forget, you can check us out at www.wearehope.org. Again, that's www.wearehope.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll be back in a minute. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to Lead Up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Colleen Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to We Are Hope. If you are interested in asking a question or offering a comment about our program, please send an email to radio at wearehope.org. That's radio at wearehope.org. Now, back to this week's show. 
Hello and welcome back. You're listening to We Are Hope, Breaking the Stigma Through Change with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you live from Space on Main in Bradford, Vermont on the Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. If you would like to contact me, you can email me directly at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also call me directly at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. All right, we are back with uh, my guest, Dr. Tim Giacomo, and um, uh, I want to go ahead and jump right in to we we've been talking a lot about systems that are in place, um, the crisis in, in the crisis in this country, um, but what we haven't quite talked about yet is what families can do in crisis. So, Tim, what are some tools? Uh, to help parents support their children that are currently in crisis? One of the, this is probably going to seem pretty obvious to to most people, but uh, even I was talking with a a group of kids yesterday, we were talking about the importance of being able to be vulnerable, uh, to be emotional, to to really speak with their parents about what's Mm -hmm. going on for them in their lives, what their struggles are, what their challenges are. Um, it, you know, and, and for kids, I think, uh, at least a lot of them that, that I've worked with, they, they have this feeling that their struggles are not too much to bear for their parents, but that maybe their parents shouldn't have to deal right. with that. Um, more like they're taking on that idea that they're a burden. Mm. Um, and so I, I think, I think for parents to really, be able to to make it clear that you know, that they really do want to know what's going right. on, um, and uh, you know, and then there's also the the other piece where where we would want kids, uh, and, and actually I'm talking about kids, but this could be uh, adult children, really, uh, that right. they're reaching out to, to their parents, um, that everybody's really talking with each other uh, to provide support for each other. And then once so can, you really know what the challenges are, right. then you can you can problem solve around that. Right. So it it sounds like, and in, in, in what I'm hearing from you, is basic communication. Right. Parents uh, really need to start communicating with their children. You know, we are in a we are in a society now where everybody has a device. The children as well, and and as. Um, as I'm sure you've noticed, as much as I've noticed, you know, you can go into a grocery store and there's a child sitting on an iPad and the parents pushing the, you know, the stroller or, or, or the shopping cart, mm-hmm. not even paying any mind to that child at all because now the child's busy, right? They don't need to focus yeah. on what's going on. Um, and so I think, you know, as parents, we have a responsibility as a parent of five, right? <laughs> I, can, I, th- I think I can speak yeah. for parents, right? So I think I can yeah. speak as a, a well-respected <laughs> parent. Um, I, I think that it's important to, to remember that, you know, we are human too, and we get caught in our own stuff, but we brought little right. beings into this world, right? That we are yeah. solely responsible for, and it's no one else's right. job to raise our children. And so therefore we have to let go of our own anxieties about being able to tell our children that we love them, that we support them, that we're there for them. And I think, you know, you know, there's so many, you know, when we talk about childhood or we talk about generational trauma, you know, trauma in itself, you know, trauma impacts us all in many different ways. And so 
you know, not to put my dad on a spot, you know, um, and I love him to death, but I didn't hear I love you until I was 27 years old. And, and his thought process around it was, well, you should just know, right? Like that's a generational thing. That's just how he knew. But that really impacted me growing up. You know what I mean? And so at first I started to do the same with my own children. You know, my father and I tell each other we love each other all the time now, just in case the world is wondering. We, we are very, <laughs> very affectionate. We have gotten past that. Um, we talked about how important it is um, to tell your children that you love them, to be supportive and to be there for them. But along with that comes a lot of our own anxieties to be vulnerable with our own children as parents. I mean, you're a, you're a new father. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking you're going to have to get back to me and say 12, 15 years or so, and we'll, we'll see how I'm doing. Uh, eat some humble pie, I suppose. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting that as in the profession that we are, Tim, I'm going to tell you this, in the profession that we do and the work that we do, all of that training goes out the window when it's your own children. <laughs> just yeah. so you're aware. Yeah. Well, it's. It's, it is interesting because, um, you know, with, with the work we do, and to go back to your question, uh, like, what is it for, for families? I mean, yeah, there's the communication piece, um, but I also find often that, um, you know, in, in some ways you don't know what you don't know. And right. so you kids may be talking to you. You may be talking to them. So that piece may all be there. Uh, and you may be trying to problem solve and work together and things just aren't changing, right? Not because you're, you know, the, because there's ill intent or, um, or, or anything, anything like that, um, or because people aren't really putting in the right effort, but it's more because you know, they're dealing with something that they don't fully understand. Right. You know, like right. with, with anxiety, we see, we see a lot of parents and families that are engaging in, uh, you know, really significant accommodation and, mm. So doing things for your kids that they can do themselves or that they can learn to do themselves. And, right. and when I say that, that's not even speaking of it in terms of like a, a judgment. It's, it's that, you know, we, when you're struggling to get out the door in the morning to work and your kids say is, isn't going to school, right. Or needs to, you know, feels that urge to have to engage in so many more rituals that are going to take, you know, hours to complete. Right. Um, it, you know, you still have to get to work. So right. you may end up engaging in some sort of accommodation. And mm-hmm. so I, I think, you know, when you're, when you're seeing that, when it seems like things have really gotten out of control, um, and, you know, I think that's when you start to reach out. You try to get more information as to what, you're, what you as a family are really faced with um, and then get connected with some some good people so that you can figure out what can you actually do differently that will really address what's going on for you. Right. So that's a really great segue to uh, where I want to go next with this. So there are parents out there that are bust, excuse me, busting their butts to help support their children, even accommodating their children, yeah. whatever it is, and really want to do some, really want to see their children get healthy. And have gone through all these different avenues. But how does a parent know, Tim, right? How do they know if their child needs more support than what they have currently had offered? Yeah. Yeah, I I actually, uh, 
you know, just gave a talk on this at that conference, uh, the, the International OCD Foundation conference mm-hmm. out in, in Austin, Texas. We were talking about the different levels of, of care that are available for people. Right. Um, and, and I was talking more about the, the residential side, uh, but with, I also had co-presenters talking about outpatient or intensive outpatient or partial hospitalization. So, right. you know, I think it makes sense for, for people to, uh, to really try to work through those different levels of treatment and to make sure that you're actually getting the right treatment. So, you know, that goes back to that, that point we made earlier that not all therapy, not all coaching is, is the same. Um, it's really about right. figuring out uh, how is it that, that the therapist is really working to help you or what, what are the goals and are you making progress uh, right. towards them? Um, right. And then I think also really trying to understand, like, uh, for, for some people, they're really, uh, their difficulties, their challenges are much more severe um, mm-hmm. sometimes than, than we're even initially apparent, um, and it takes time. So it's, it's usually not something that can be, that can be rushed. It's, um, you know, so we want to make sure that they're, they're getting the right treatment, um, that they're getting the right resources, and that uh, they're being supported uh, throughout the entirety of it. And, right. and that's for the entire family too. It's right, not just right, right, right. The you know if it's if we're talking about kids, it's not just the kid who's in treatment, but that really the parents and siblings are also supported uh, because usually they're going to want to make some changes too. Right, right, and 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 when we worked together, we would see how the family was really brought into this whole process, and it's so important. Um, yeah. And even in the even in the work that that we do now, um, we're a little bit more disconnected from the family, but we really try to work hard to bring the family into this process because we know and understand that without family support and without everybody collectively making changes for this, that it, that the work is not going to work. I mean, that's just the bottom line, right? So, and really, we should be teaching families uh, what we know so that uh, we're essentially we're kind of putting ourselves out of business uh, <laughs> with, with right. those families in a way, right? Right, um, so yeah. That they no. can continue to work long after we're gone. I completely agree. I completely agree. So, Tim, you know, when I started this show, um, I told everybody, you know, the title of the show is uh, America's Misunderstood Crisis. And so we know that there is a misunderstood crisis in this country. In one sentence, um, can you tell us why we don't understand it? Man, you ask me to do anything with one. You ask a psychologist to do anything <laughs> with one sentence. And... Uh, like we're we're off off to a joke here. Um, I, you know, I think it's I think it's complex. Um, I think there's still stigma related to mental health. Um, it, you know, I think there's still a lot more work to be done. I think there's still a lot that that we don't know. Um, mm. you know I was listening to some some researchers talk earlier uh, this morning, um, and they were talking about. With as much as we know about the brain, there's also so little <laughs> that it seems like right. we know about the brain. Um, these are neuroscientists talking about it. So I think, I think there's still a lot that we need to do uh, in terms of studying and understanding mental health, uh, what, 
what are the change processes that, that affect how people, uh, how people feel. Um, I think we need to do a lot more outreach, uh, you know, to include more, uh, more culturally competent therapies right. and coaching. I think we need to reach out to the underserved more. Um, I think we need to try to make it more accessible. Um, mm-hmm. I, again, I like that you're getting into the schools. I think the more education we can do uh, about mental health for kids, for families, especially as they're younger, then I think we demystify some of this. I think right. there are still a lot of myths about so true. what it means to have a mental health disorder. Right. Um, and so I think the more we can get at that, especially at an earlier age, uh, I think we're going to see, uh, I think we're going to see this, this clear up a little bit more. Awesome. Well, Tim, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I just want to thank you Thanks for having for, me. Yeah, you're welcome. I want to thank you so much for being um, the part uh, are taking part in breaking the stigma through change uh, alongside of We Are Hope. Uh, the work you're doing is changing lives of so many children and families that have lost hope. And as you know, um, We Are Hope is always here to help. So if you ever need anything, let us know. Um, as we come to a close. Likewise. Yeah, thank you. As we come to a close, I would like you all to remember that someone you know or someone that you love, may, maybe even yourself, is struggling in silence right now. Today is the day they no longer have to. Today is the day that they or you can reach out for support. Today, you no longer have to be alone. Today is the day you can get to reclaim your voice and break the chain of silence and get the support that's needed. Like always, We Are Hope is here to help. We believe in your strength, even when you do not. Please, give us a call at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can email me at radio at weirehope.org. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. Until next time, remember, it's okay to not be okay. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Hope radio show. Please join host Sean Perry again for another edition next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week.